So hello and welcome to the, well, the first TPM podcast with a guest that I'm recording. I don't know what what order I'm going to put these out in yet, so maybe it's the second, maybe it's third, I don't know. But today I'm talking to Nicole Pereira from Pure Gym Bentley Bridge. Nicole is somebody who now is coaching people, focusing on balance and fo- focusing on maintaining good mental health, I suppose, while getting the results that they're after, which I think is predominantly fat loss and health, I think. Um, yeah, so as with most people, the majority of people, I would say, her journey into fitness has not been smooth sailing the whole time. I think that's fair to say. Um, but I think we're, we're on the, the other side of that now and everything's balanced and everything's healthy. So, yeah, she's trying to pass that on to, to new people. Welcome to the podcast. Yep. Hello. Okay, so do you want to tell me and the listeners, listener, listeners, if there are two or more, a little bit about your journey into fitness and, yeah, what's led you to coaching people now? Um, yeah, so I've been in gyms for about 10, 11 years. Um, just first started out just at kind of like leisure centres, really. Um, never really took things that seriously back then. I'd say it was just mainly going, do a bit of cardio, a bit of treadmill walking, you know, the usual. Never, never ever ventured into weights. Um, <laughs> never thought that would be my kind of thing. The scary, the men's room. Um, yeah, 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 the men's room, the the scary place. Um, yeah, and on and off really, fad fad diets. Um, then from there, reached out, um, you know, got, got a PT myself, um, had a couple of different coaches. And then obviously from there, started to learn, started to learn, you know, the, the correct way. Um, in a lot of ways, really, like with weights and things, then ventured obviously into the weights and, and learned how to do things properly from there and really gained a passion for it. Um, yeah, which I didn't think I would, to be honest. I, I hated PE back in school. <laughs> I hated PE. So I didn't think fitness was going to be my thing, but it is. It is. I think a lot of people do that who don't like PE. So I, I did like PE, but I think a lot of people that I speak to now that are coaches or really into fitness actually started off not being such a fan of it. I think once you get to an age where you're able to start taking control of things yourself it becomes a lot easier to get into that so it's not like you're just turning up and being like do this sport run around this field like you're able to actually take a little bit of control over what you're going to do to look after yourself like people realize that they actually quite enjoy it once they're able to pick what they want to do which i suppose sort of goes into pt as well and we can we can go into your journey Mm -hmm. into yeah into learning because I think it's fair to say that it's not all been it's not all been smooth along along the way but no. but we've but we're in a good position now so in terms of coaching I sort of went over a little bit in the in the intro but what what would you say your what sort of person are you trying to help and how are you trying to help them what are you trying to help them do so I'd say like beginners um anyone who's you know, got got a bit of gym anxiety, 
um, because I had that for such a long time as well and I even had it maybe like just a couple of years ago I, yeah. I still had some there was, there was still areas of the gym after being there for so many years that I still wouldn't go over to you know and maybe I wouldn't know exactly how to set up certain bars or you know just just things like that really so for anybody who is a little bit stuck not knowing where where to go with things um and obviously yeah stuck with nutrition um I really want to help people who who feel like health is all about having a like kind of like a set routine with with food where you need to repeat the same meals day in day out you know boring no sauce no you know that they, they can't go out for food because it's not about that it's you need to be able to live your life you know whilst doing fitness it's not one before the other it should be the two together yeah i think even since i started pt and i've noticed a difference because whether we knew it at the time or not i think a lot of pt and a lot of pts probably still do now but because most pts and coaches come from a background not so much now actually but like even only five years ago when I qualified, most PTs and coaches came from a background of, I love training because I love Arnie and I love Dorian Yates and I love Phil Heath. So it's almost like I treat myself as if I'm like a part-time bodybuilder. And then people's like, I don't like the term gen pop because it makes it sound like, you know, we're we're the fitness people and they're just the people that go and do normal jobs and stuff. But like, the sort of gen pop, just normal people that were wanting to get into decent shape are all of a sudden being treated like bodybuilders with, you know, rice and chicken and mm-hmm. don't have any sauce because there's sodium in that and it will make you bloated and yes. watery as if that matters to somebody who's clothed at work most of the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that was something that I was definitely, like when I first started dieting to gain weight in my case, I was eating, like my family would be eating whatever they're eating and I'm eating you know, a fish portion with some rice or something. And I'm just like, I was I was 17 years old at the time and I was, what, 10 stone? Like, I could literally have just eaten a little bit more of what my family were eating and it would have got me the same result. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a really good message to be... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, a really good message to be pushing that we almost don't have to treat ourselves like bodybuilders. You can just be a normal person and eat yeah. normal people food but just make better, better decisions. Exactly. But it takes a level of education. And it also, I think the issue that we potentially have as coaches is that most of the time when people get to the stage where they want to reach out to a coach, they want the result yesterday. Like they want the abs yesterday. So, and the best way for a coach to get that result is to treat their clients like bodybuilders and give them 40 minutes of fasted cardio in the morning and, and no calories. But when you can get to the stage where people are prepared to take a slightly slower journey but get there in a more healthy way. I think that's that's when you get clients that come to you for six months and then leave and then never have to hire a coach again, which is, I mean, I know you're the guest and I'm doing most of the talking here, but um, when, when I first started working at the gym that I worked at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave out the name this time, the assistant manager at the time asked me about coaching and I'd never I'd never worked in a gym before. And I told him that my idea was, I wanted to be able to get people into the gym for, say, three to six months and for them to leave after six months if they wanted to 
knowing everything that they needed to know in order to never need to hire a coach again. And he giggled at me and said, that is not a very good business model, is it, Tom? Because you're going to need a new set of clients every six months. And I was just like, so what you're saying is that I should withhold some of this information. And he's like, well, you know, you don't want them to feel like they don't need you anymore. So, yeah. So it's nice to think that we've moved forward a little bit yeah. since then. I know, I know you'll be getting a different level of support from your management mm -hmm. team than I did then. But yeah, anyway, so I'm going to go back to what you were saying about the gym anxiety thing, because I find this a really interesting topic actually, because uh, I'm like, you know, I've been training for probably 10, 11 years, something like that. So it's easy for me to forget what it's like going into say a weights room for the first time or going into a new gym because it doesn't really phase me now like it would have done when I was 16 but I remember being terrified when I was 16 going into because I think for women it's looking at it and looking at all the men in the weights room and being like oh, it feels a bit intimidating to go in there for me it was sort of I was 17 and they were all you know grown-ups and I was looking at people and feeling like I couldn't go in there what would you Obviously, your clients, your training clients face to face now. So that sort of helps with gym anxiety in itself, having somebody with you. But what would you say to somebody or what helps you to get comfortable in that environment when you are suffering with gym anxiety to start off with? Um, so I'd say one of the first things is trying to choose times in the gym when it's a bit quieter um, for a start, whether that's going to be some early mornings or later in the evenings when it's quieter. Um, you know, maybe getting some free weights and going into the studio as well, because that always tends to be quieter. Um, and even just following a programme, absolutely following a programme. Like, because if you have your one-to-one -one sessions, but then you don't know what to do the rest of the week, then I think you are going to feel more anxiety anyway, because you're going to be walking up to things thinking, I don't know what to do. Should I just do a bit of everything, you know? And then already you are starting to panic. You are starting to feel like, are people looking at me? Yeah. Whereas if you've got that program there in front of you, you've, you're doing leg session today, you're going over to the leg press, then you're doing this, then you're doing this. You know, you're not overthinking it. You've, yeah. got, you've got it right there. And I think that's, I mean, some of my clients do suffer with gym anxiety, but already... Two weeks in, they're absolutely smashing it because they're following the program. Yeah, yeah, it sort yeah. of removes the guesswork of knocking about because I think that's where it sets in, and the the anxiety sets in when you're stood in the gym going, "Oh, where do I go next?" Whereas if you know where you're going and what you're doing when you get there, it it takes away a bit. And I like what you said about aiming for quieter times as well. But what I have found like alongside that is I think the reason that I was so comfortable straight away switching to a new gym when I was about 17 is although I was really nervous when I got there because I trained at the same time every day which I know isn't something that everybody can do mm -hmm. but I was training at the same time every day so you get used to seeing the same faces yeah. I think a lot of people make the mistake of going in you know in the morning one day even in the next day and you think oh, the gym's the gym but if you're going in and seeing the same faces then 
you very quickly realize that these people aren't looking at you. You might even start having conversations with people. You might start to feel a little bit more com comfortable because once you've got a couple of people that you're comfortable at speaking to, that gym anxiety can fall away quite quickly there. So, yeah. So having a program to stick to, knowing what you're doing when you get there, which might include having a PT or a coach to start off with. Um, yeah, picking a quiet time if you're able to, picking a quiet part of the gym to get comfortable in and training at a, the same time each day. And I think on top of that, like, it's... I know I've spoken to people in the past who sat in the car outside the gym being uncomfortable and afraid to go in, which is something that until I started working at the gym, like I'd got no idea that people felt that way. So one thing that I have said to people in the past is like, try and just break it down into getting into the building. <laughs> like just rather than thinking I've got to go in and get an hour session done, yeah. like just get into the building, just get into the building and do a warm up. Just get into the building and do one exercise. Like sometimes breaking it down into smaller steps as well can make can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So, what stage did you? Mm -hmm. Was there a point where you started to feel comfortable in the gym? Was it, or was it? Because I know it sort of lasted for quite a while, even when you're doing say PT sessions and stuff, and then going in and doing your own sessions and wouldn't go to the areas that you'd go to with a PT. Yeah, is that fair? Yeah. So, was there a point definitely, where you started to think? Gosh, I relied on it. Yeah. For me, for me, I I relied on on having a trainer. Um, I mean, I was having three three times a week and then it come to a point I was actually thinking about having four times a week and I didn't need it. I knew what I was doing, yeah. you know. I knew if I go over here, I can do this, you know, maybe I can superset this with this. Like, you know, I knew, I knew these things back then, but I couldn't do it without somebody next to me. Um, and I think the time when things actually really changed for me, which has, has been only recently, throughout lockdown. Um, throughout the first lockdown, I reached out and I took on an online coach. Um, and then obviously when the gym then opened for what, a month, did we open for? It wasn't long. It wasn't long, that's for sure. Um, but there was a few exercises on there um, that I would have to venture into certain parts of you know of the gym and I thought oh, I can't do it and I actually messaged her at the time and said like you know I didn't do this exercise because the gym seemed a bit busy and actually she messaged me um just with a message really saying how no one is there you know for you they are there for them and it just actually finally made me realize that I'm just holding myself back all I'm doing is, you know, maybe taking longer to get to my goals because I won't go and do, you know, just a few exercises. Like, it it made it seem like it really isn't a big deal, mm. you know. And that's stuck with me now. Yeah. So we got <laughs> we got cut off a little bit there. But in, in the process of being cut off, we were talking about... So we're moving on to more um, training fads because uh, basically we've fixed gym anxiety now so nobody's going to feel anxious in the gym anymore so we're going to move <laughs> over to training now um and we were talking about um fads and more, more so on the training i'm sure we'll get around to the nutrition side of things but on the training side of things the sort of fads that people especially people that have 
I mean, it's it's usually people that have got a way that they want to look. It's that it's either fat loss or mu- building muscle, and there's always something that you can get drawn into. We're talking about bands just just now, which we don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with bands necessarily, as long as you're not using them while you're trying to do your RDLs and your hip thrusts and your squats and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which we still see a lot of. But I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with them. But you could also get all of the result that you get with them with something else and and better and about how a lot of the time the issue that we have as coaches that are trying to teach people how to look after themselves in the long term and get the results that they want is that often what's most marketable so we were just saying for a band you can stick your logo on a band get them imported from china and sell them for 30 quid and and make a load of money that way it makes it a lot more difficult for us to suggest that maybe you would just be better off getting stronger a set few exercises which a lot of people just think oh but that's boring isn't it just yeah. adding adding 2.5 kilos to what i was doing last week yeah. is a bit is a bit dull so yeah so at what stage again did you start to feel like so at what stage did your training start to look how it does now and how you start to coach your clients was it around when you got that online coach or were you starting to transition before that do you think yeah um so i would have said maybe just before it it might have been maybe about half a year before um i'd actually started early the year before covid started happening um with hybrid hybrid fitness okay who will be on the podcast shortly <laughs> yeah so with just with training with hybrid um he he taught me a lot in such a short space of time that we worked together um and i think just just from there like my my training changed a lot from there um yeah because i my training was it was quite random it was very i'd go in right i'd i'd do a leg session and I just write, I'll just throw this together with a bit of this and then I'll finish off with this at the end. You know, some glute activation and, <laughs> you know, a <laughs> little bit of band work <laughs> and that'd be it. Um, yeah, so I guess he he definitely opened my eyes to, um, to a lot of things. And then, of course, doing qualification myself um, definitely taught me a lot. I'll probably do a podcast. This may be one that I do on my own when I when I can't get anybody to come on with me. I should probably do one slagging off PT qualifications at some stage. But you you found yours really useful then? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. Um, Premier Global was mine. Premier Global. Isn't it? That's, I think that's who I used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it very very in depth. To be honest. Um, they must have updated it since I did it then. Yeah. <laughs> most, most of the people who left when I, I did it, and I can say this because most of them aren't PTs now. In fact, I, I think there was only two of us out of 12 that ended up PTing. Um, wow. Yeah. But yeah, the, the standard when I went was not, um, was you not know very what? good. I'll be completely honest though. Like I've never just thought, oh, I'll just do qualification and that's it. Like for years now, whether it, four or five years I've always researched stuff anyway um so I think obviously with me having a passion there for so long if I was unsure of something 
you know, I'd go on YouTube. I'd maybe look at, you know, some of the some of the top names on there. Then I had a little little look on Instagram at, you know, people who obviously preach scientific ways, you know, not just your standard influencer. Um, but yeah, I think I think you can learn a lot from some of these people as well. Yeah, yeah, I I think in in the defense of the the course that I did, I think they were taking so those twelve people on my course that were all at completely different different stages like there was three or four of us that had been training for five six seven years at that stage but there were also people who had never really set foot in the gym and I'm like why are you here but but they have to take everybody from a certain point and get them to a certain point and also like you just said there like I I don't think there are many jobs I mean I've not done all of the courses for all of the jobs but I can't imagine there are many courses where you just do the course and then that's it like okay, I know what to do now and I know everything. You always have to do your own research because there's a lot of different types of people who need coaching in a lot of different types of ways. And yeah, so I do I do think obviously doing your own research is going to be, is going to be big for anybody. And I think, yeah, I think our job as coaches and, and PTs is to, is to try and simplify that as much as possible. I think I made the mistake when I first had a fitnessy Instagram page of of trying to of trying to put the science across, which is sort of a good thing. But also, people that aren't as interested as you are and as I am aren't going to read that because yeah. if they were going to read it, they wouldn't need to be following me in the first mm-hmm. place. They'd just be following Eric Helms and Brad Schoenfeld and all of these people that are doing the research. Like our job is to try and take all of that stuff that we've learned and put it across as simply as as we can so that people who aren't really that interested know how to apply the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so nutrition, which is, I mean, let's be honest, training is one of those things that if you, a lot of people that I know will, have, like a lot of the best physiques I've, of people I've ever met trained in a way that I would say is rubbish mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that i know have got the best physiques sort of make up for not very good training by working really hard having really good genetics and eating right and being really consistent but so when it comes to training like we want everybody to be training in the most effective way possible but equally if you just go in and just full-on bro workouts all the time you probably get decent results like it's not it's not that drastic nutrition on the other hand is where people start to make mistakes that can influence the rest of your life quite heavily when you start getting into nutrition and you think that you need to eat in a certain way it can start affecting your your own mental health your own physical health it can start affecting your relationships with the people that you're close with it can start affecting your social time so nutrition, nutrition really is where the sort of damage can be yeah. can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my sort of journey through nutrition has got me to the stage now where I feel like I can help most people, but I also am lucky in the sense that I don't think I've ever been somebody who has struggled with a relationship with food necessarily. I think I've been quite lucky in that 
in that sense. I know your journey with food has not been <laughs> as has not been that. So do you want to tell the listener slash listeners a little bit about your journey, go into as much detail or as little detail as you would like to? <laughs> wow, I don't know where to start. It's it's been that big, honestly. Um gosh, I think if we're talking fads, um I mean, I've tried Slim Fast. Um, I did Slim Fast for a while. That was actually back in school. That was in school. Yeah, that was school. So that would have been maybe 17, 18. Yeah, so I tried Slim Fast. Um, My mum actually was doing Slim Fast at the time, and we did that together. I thought it was the best thing ever, you know. Then I did um, special K diet, you oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know what's happened to some of these now. I never hear of that now. Um, it's gone back to just being a Gosh, diet, yeah. It? So, <laughs> special K diet. Um, I did the clean nine aloe vera. Um, Excellent. Yeah, that was probably about four, five years ago actually so that was kind of more moreish recent i guess um i'd done tea skinny tea um which is just absolutely awful awful i hope you're all enjoying your journey through the lower dregs of the diet industry here (laughs) (laughs) this is is like an a to z of what not to do here (laughs) let's back back to it um yeah, what was the other one? Um, not Slimming World. There was another one, very similar. White Watchers. White Watchers, that's it. Mm. So I did White Watchers. Um, I can't even remember how long for. Maybe half a year. Um, yeah, it was very, very yo-yo. Yeah. Very, very yo-yo. Um, and then even from there, I did very restrictive calories. Um 1,100, 1,200 calories, which is what I I actually thought at the time was what I should be doing, you know. I thought that that was the right way. Um, And yes, I lost body fat very quickly and I was getting compliments and I was feeling quite good at the time. Um, But mentally, I was not good at all. you know, it's like, as you say, your relationships with other people, like, I felt like I couldn't go out for food. If I went out for food, I would feel so guilty after, I mean, doing that exercise for me, it was actually more of a punishment because I'd feel so guilty that then I need to be in the gym the morning after to burn off that food. And it was all about, I'll consume, but then I need to burn it off. I will have a bit of a Snickers, but then... I need to do extra then to get rid of it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's such such a bad cycle, such a bad cycle to be in. Yeah, I think the the two main issues when it comes to these sorts of things, I mean, there are obviously a lot of issues with it, but the two two issues that make them as as widespread issues as possible are one, that they sort of work. I mean, like you do lose weight, like you go into it looking to lose weight, whether you're having teas or or cereal <laughs> or or whatever or like really restrictive calories the thing is it does work like 
you do lose weight because how could you not? Like you're on such low calories that you're that you're bound to lose weight. And so that's one issue because you get that sort of feedback, the the positive feedback of I feel like death. I feel like I'm hungry all the time. My mood's really poor. I can't go out to eat. Relationships are suffering. But I am losing weight and that is what I wanted. And then also, like you said, you get compliments as well. So this is this is why it's really difficult to to you're almost better off not complimenting people with these sorts yeah. of things because it's people lose weight and you, people go, oh, you're looking good. You look like you've lost weight. And you're like, oh, well, I can't not do this anymore then because people are telling me I look great and nobody are telling me I look great before I started yeah. this fad diet. And so that's how it sort of reinforces itself then. But then obviously these things have an expiry date as to how long you can physically stick to them before you before you pack in you pack in you've not built any habits you've not built any sort of lifestyle and then you exactly. sort of re you've not learned anything you've not learned anything. anything so you regain whatever weight you'd lost the diet statistics continue the way they have been less than five percent of diets work in quotations because most people who do a diet don't lose weight the people that do lose weight 95 plus percent of those people regain that weight and then everybody yeah exactly plus more and people say oh there's no point dieting because dieting doesn't work i'm like oh it's 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 mental it's a mental cycle but but then you you're looking for the next thing because you're like oh well that sort of worked but it didn't work full time so you look for the next thing again you lose a load of weight you still feel rubbish you get a load of compliments again about how good you look and the the cycle just sort of continues and and can can deepen as well so at what stage were you able to break this because it is a cycle in it it's a cycle of wanting to lose weight finding a fad making it work you do lose weight you get the compliments you feel good about yourself you feel rubbish in yourself but you feel good about yourself and then at some stage it has to stop and then you regain weight how, like how were you able to break that cycle of you know of just going this is this is where we need to film these because she's pulling a very funny face. So we're, I'm interested to know what the answer is here. Do we know the answer? Gosh, no. I actually, I don't feel like I do. I don't feel like I do because it's as you say, like you're stuck in this in this cycle, and I don't, I can't actually pinpoint, you know, the time when I thought, no, this needs to change. Um, I'm well. I I say that. Yeah, I, th I think I actually do remember now saying that. Um, I think it's from when I lost a lot of weight so quickly on such a strict diet of eating a lot of fish all day. I mean, my breakfast at that time was egg whites. It wasn't um, eggs. It was just egg white. And I would actually drink them because I thought it was... Just get it out of the way, yeah. you know, quickly get it out of the way. And then I'd have a quick glass of water. Um, my meals back then was, you know, as as we spoke about, was plain chicken, uh, steamed broccoli. I mean, I wouldn't boil my broccoli. It had to be steamed because that was the, the healthiest way, of course. Um, you know, and I didn't enjoy any of these meals at all. I would actually dread my meals to the point where I would put, you know, I would go to eat and then I would actually swell it down with water so I wouldn't have to, to chew it because it tasted so horrible, you know, I didn't enjoy it at all. And then when I regained weight plus more um, after that, 
then is when I started to think about balance. I really need to think about balance because being that strict and not enjoying my meals to that point, you know, it's you want to be healthy. It's not about just a goal of fat loss or, you know, or weight gain or whatever it, that goal is. Like, you need to be healthy on the route there. It's not, you know, you get to there and then you'll think about improving your health. It, it needs to be about health. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. And I sort of had a conversation with another coach recently who was talking about, and I get where he was coming from because like his, his thing is transformations and he does like he's a good coach like he does look after his clients and he makes sure that people look after this but his his argument was that diets don't need to be sustainable it's like so diets don't they sort of don't have to be sustainable was the the point was that you just do the diet for the amount of time that you want to lose the weight and then you go back to normal but the problem is with that i feel is that the whole point of why wouldn't you while you're dieting learn the habits and the lifestyle that it's going to take you to maintain where you get to. Because if you're getting to the end of the diet, like I don't care who you are. If you get to the end of the diet, there's going to be a little bit of a relax because that's what happens. That's how our brains work. You set yourself a goal, you reach the goal, you relax a little mm-hmm. bit like that. That's what's going to happen. And I got to the end of the diet a couple of weeks ago and relaxed a little bit. So I, I dad fish and chips from the chippy last night, which I wouldn't have done while I was dieting. So in that sense, it's like my diet has changed, but also I eat when I can. I eat at exactly the same times each day. I eat roughly the same foods. I just eat a bit more of it now that I'm not dieting. And I was able to build the habits of, you know, having an activity level, having set-ish meals, having set ways that I build meals. So that I was able to transition out of dieting into maintaining without having to completely uphold, like upheave my entire lifestyle. And I think if you leave that until after you're done dieting, like I'm going to eat like a competition bodybuilder from the 70s until I'm at the weight that I want to be. And then I'll focus on being a functional human. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't, (laughs) like you're not going to be able to, you're just going to, I mean, you only have to look at what those bodybuilders used to do the day after the competition. They go to, whatever the nearest fast food restaurant is and eat until they throw up like that is not a way to live your life if you're just like because we're not getting to the point where we're having a photo shoot or getting on stage or whatever you just want to be healthy and like the way that you look and there's no reason why you can't do that while being reasonable along the way but Mm -hmm. but it means take sometimes it means taking a little bit longer to get there which some people are just sort of opposed to it's like i need to change right now like that cycle that we were talking about then when it comes to food and losing weight and getting compliments and feeling rubbish in yourself and not being able to do the social things and all all of that it sort of does inevitably lead to not 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 necessarily mental health issues to the point where they're crippling and you need medical intervention but then you definitely need intervention i um, firmly of the belief that everybody needs some sort of intervention when it comes to mental mental health. I don't think there are many people out there who naturally are just balanced all of the time. And if you're talking about balance in terms of training and in terms of nutrition, then it makes sense to move on to the sort of mental health side of things as well. So I know we share a lot of mental health books, self-help books, self-development books, and I definitely always try and uh, encompass them in my coaching and I know that's something that you will 
will look to do as well. So is there any is there any books or or, or even sort of authors or specific people or you know particular messages that stick out to you that impact both on your mental health outside of the fitness and health sphere but also within it as well um yeah so i think james smith's book um the not a life coach was an absolute top book um for me like mental health wise he really i think he just the book the way that he speaks he speaks to you in just just the right way that really, you know, it sticks in your head and makes makes you think, it makes you realise um, a lot of things. Um, I think Vex King, another one, another author, um, his books are really, really good. Um, I think it's good, good vibes, good life. Um, and that's, that's just about, again, it's like just about positivity and... And they, those kind of things. And then, again, like uh, another book that I know we've both read, which was The Atomic Habits. Um, I just think that that book is brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And I think I think probably every coach has read that book, or it's, at least it feels that way. I remember yeah. doing a few posts because I, I read it sort of last year, and I remember doing a post about habit stacking, which we've just sort of mm-hmm. talked about. And and having two coaches message me actually and, and mention this i had two coaches message me and being like oh i really enjoyed your post today you should definitely read atomic habits i'm like where do you think i got this from where do you, where do you think i've just made up this and given it the same title but yeah i agree that atomic habits was atomic habits for me is a top three um self-help book my my top three are the happiness trap which i think okay. everybody should read okay i've not watched I've not read this one. Everybody should read The Happiness Trap by Ross Harris. It's about um, ACT, which is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, which is like a follow-on from CBT, which okay. is Cognitive Behavioural yeah. Therapy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, everybody should everybody should um, read that. Atomic Habits and Mindset by Carol Dweck, which is about growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting a nod there. Is that something that yeah, you... Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. Um, I started a few pages, but I haven't. I haven't actually continued yet. Definitely, yeah. um, definitely yeah. worth it. Yeah, but Atomic Habits is is perfect. Actually, going back to what we were saying about um, when it comes to nutrition and you know getting to the end of a diet that you've just done as like a means to an end, and then being like, oh, now now what do I do? How do I maintain it? Atomic Habits is a brilliant book for people who are looking to do things in a way that is sustainable and create a new lifestyle i know since i i mean i'm quite habitual anyway like it drives some mental how like i just do i will do the same thing every day at the same time if i'm if i'm left to it but i since since doing that i have definitely developed a few things that i tell to all clients around sort of having morning routines which is something that i always say stress which when i say a morning routine i don't I don't necessarily mean yay five five a.m. club. Everybody get up and and meditate for an hour and and all of that. But I mean, you can do if you want to. But I just mean like in terms of most of the people that come to me, one of the things that people struggle with is is breakfast. Like, what do I eat before work? And when you actually talk to them about what they're doing before work, it's like a frantic mess of running around the house after you know um, 
snoozing their alarm a few times and then, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So just having a morning routine where you do the same things at the same time and don't stress yourself out. So as I've said, I'm trying to keep these um, podcasts to a, a length that people will actually listen to them all the way through. So we're going to finish off with something that will hopefully bring it all together. Hopefully that's that's the intention anyway. So I know roughly the sort of people that you're you're working with and hopefully some people who listen to this will will sort of fit into this demographic and, and find what we what you and what we have to say helpful so if somebody was coming to you as a client they are a bit overweight they're not happy with the way that they look they're looking to lose weight they've tried fad diets in the past lost weight got all the compliments regain the weight and repeat a few times they've been in the gym but they're not 100 percent sure what they're doing they have a bit of gym anxiety what would your what's your initial aside from get yourself a coach or a pt which is, sort of goes without saying if you if you don't have one definitely get one um because we need to afford food and stuff um but so aside from that what would your what would your advice be to to that person um so i think just setting yourself some small steps um not thinking too big not thinking like right okay you know i need to maybe try to eat this many calories and i need to do my five a day i need to get this much water i think you should think about small steps first so maybe obviously if you're not um eating any fruit and veg at all start to think about your five a day you know, once once you've obviously you've got that there, then start to think about your water intake, start to think about getting that up. Yeah, I think just starting off small, really, like even with your portions, you know, your portions of your food, I mean, just start to slowly reduce portions. It's not about, you know, getting rid of complete food groups or saying, okay, you know, I'm not going to have any snacks anymore. Maybe if you're somebody who has four takeaways a week, for example. Try and lower that, try and do two takeaways a week. You know, don't think, oh, I need to cut takeaways out completely because then obviously this is when you're then going to go backwards again. You know, well, I miss the takeaways, I miss the snacks, you know. I just think it's all about doing it gradual, gradual steps, you know. Yeah, slowing things down and not trying to, not, not trying to, it's a marathon rather than a sprint mm -hmm. sort of mentality mm -hmm. because... Yeah, I think that's like, I, I think most coaches would get to the stage now where we can all say that the people who end up back either where they started or, or worse off are, the, are generally the people who try and set off at 100 miles an hour. It's like the, the New Year's resolution, like <laughs> that yeah, wave where, you. yeah, exactly. The New Year knew me. Yeah. It, realistically, if on January the 1st you're looking to create a new you, you should probably be aiming to be something like a new you by the the next January the first like if you if you were able to I don't know change one or two little habits a month then add that up over the course of a year then next time the new year comes around and everybody's looking to make a load of changes like you will be so far ahead that it will be unrecognizable but you'll be able to stick to it because yeah like you said if if you're trying to cut all of these things out and try and change everything and suddenly change who you are as a person like because the habits that you have through a day, the things that add up are essentially who you are. They make up your 
personality and you can you can change these things over time but if you try and change them all they're all gonna they're all gonna come back pretty much pretty much straight away and yeah it can sometimes be a hard sell for us as coaches because it obviously requires telling right requires us to tell people to think long term but but it's at some stage which I know is something that like obviously you are at the stage now where at some stage you are going to have to make that decision where you say okay this whole doing everything as quickly as possible has got to stop and I'm going to try and do it now in a way that can last and Mm -hmm. that you can actually yeah yeah and I think it's it's best to really think about that sooner rather than later because because if not like maybe five years have passed and you actually really haven't changed much at all because you've spent so many years doing fads on and off that you know you wanted to change such a long time ago and you you still haven't you're still in that rut you know yeah yeah exactly yeah i think it's so it's so easy for those if you think that a typical diet people like to do a 12-week diet, don't they? Or like or something like that. If you think that each typical diet fad lasts about 12 weeks, that's three months. Then maybe you have a month of feeling fantastic and and then maybe six months of regaining that weight. You've got there, what, nine, ten, ten months where basically nothing has changed and <laughs> ten months has passed. You only got to put four or five. I know we went through the different fads that we we were talking about earlier. You only got to put four or five of those together, and you can lose half a decade without moving anywhere. Which is like when you're thinking about how quickly can I achieve everything that I want to achieve. When you put it into that sort of perspective, instead of like if I try and rush this, I could be exactly where I am now in five years. That should set off some alarm bells then when it comes to doing things as quickly as possible. Where you can make such life-changing changes <laughs> in 18 months that you as a person and also then as a result as a physique and as some like your health can change so so much that you're unrecognizable but only if you're prepared to take that amount of time to do it rather than trying to do everything all in one go so so the advice is take things one step at a time mm-hmm. and get a PT or a coach. Balance. That's balance, balance, <laughs> balance exactly. Um, so for the people that have made it to the end of the podcast, first of all, thank you for listening. And where can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram um, at equilibriumfitness underscore Nicole. Perfect. If I can figure out how to put a link to that, (laughs) wherever you're listening to this, I don't even know where this is going to be. Hopefully it's going to be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all of that sort of stuff. If I can find a way of linking that, then I will link all of Nicole's details there. And you can also find her at Pure Gym Bentley Bridge. Bridge. Perfect. So if you're local to us, which you probably will be, if you're listening to this, then you can also find her there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. And I shall speak to you all very soon.